All right, and uh, here we are again one more time for our podcast, Redeemed Through His Blood. My name's Scott Durfee. Welcome out, everybody, of course, this morning. As always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, our good friend, Mr. David Durfee. Say hi, Dave. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, nice to nice to be here again with you. Uh, I want to just take a minute, and, and we want to say thank you to those uh, many of you who downloaded and listened to the podcast from last week. I got many, uh, and so did Dave. We got many comments, uh, some via email, uh, which is a good time for me to mention this, actually. Um, our email address, if you want to send us emails asking questions, maybe uh, with uh, uh, topics, uh, various things like that, we've got a pretty good outline of the things that we plan to cover in coming weeks. But Anything that we talk about here, if it feels relatable to you, if you have questions around it, we'll do our best to integrate when it's appropriate and possible. But if you'll send us an email at he redeems us, he redeems, and that's uh, S at the end, he redeems us at gmail.com. He redeems us at gmail.com. If you'll just take a minute, minute, drop us a line. We uh, not just questions, but if you have positive feedback, if you have feedback of things that you would like us to do differently or that could maybe make this experience even better, we invite you to send those to us one more time at he redeems us at gmail.com. Yeah, so, Scott, can I just say yeah. uh, how thankful uh, I am, how thankful I know you are for the positive comments that we that we received. But I've also listened back a few times to to our uh, previous podcast, and uh, it just struck me that uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't perfect. We'll probably never do a perfect podcast. We understand that uh, there were probably some mistakes uh, in that podcast. Uh, there were some things that uh, we know to be true, and some things that that uh, aren't perhaps as factual as. We presented them, whatever. Uh, we just, we just want to. We're continuing to learn as well, and so if you, if you give us, if you would please, uh, we invite you to send us anything to help teach us as well. So appreciate indeed. any feedback. Yeah, indeed, uh, super important for the success of these types of things to uh, go forth, rolling forward. So, and we do this for you, not us. So anything that. Uh, Actually, we do it for us, too. We're greatly edified, deeply edified by this ourselves. But uh, anything that we can do to make this uh, what it is that you would like it to be, uh, we're open to those suggestions, as Dave mentioned. A couple of the comments that we got, uh, several people, Dave, over the week, commented on that, for example, Thursday, you know, between 9 and 3, I was extra thoughtful about uh, the events of Easter, you know, and a few things like that. We also had... A lot of uh, great friends that appreciate kind of our um, take on things, Dave. They see you more of, uh, I, I, I'm not going to use the word guru, none of us are, but uh, uh, definitely a, a level of scholarly knowledge and doctrinal knowledge about the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and uh, we're grateful for that. And then maybe contrast that a little bit with, uh, you know, um, the path that, my life has uh, has taken me down, or I have taken. And uh, so, you know, as we bring these two things together in the culmination, and we see that the atonement and redemption is actually for all of us, my gosh, what a great experience it's been, and I look forward to even being 
uh, an even greater experience as well, we go forward. Scott, thank you, but I just got to interject. You know, we'll talk more about this when we talk about the fall of Adam and Eve and the natural man. And but uh, you know, we're just sinners helping sinners. That's how I. That's how I really see it. I. I'm not any any better than anybody else. Our our paths have been quite different, uh, but uh, uh, I'm no better than anybody else. I the the man that we're I might refer to him later today in our podcast, Brother Robert Matthews, who who mostly wrote the Bible dictionary, wrote all of it except one one part uh, of it. Uh, I was trying to express my gratitude to him and all that he had taught me and the great gospel scholar that he was former dean of religious education and and temple president of the mount timpanogos temple and i was trying to express my gratitude to him and he said david i'm just just please remember me as an old sheep herder from wyoming that's how he wanted to be remembered and you know i I, uh, I'm just an old, uh, I'm not even a sheep herder. You're the son of a sheep herder. <laughs> I'm a son of a, I'm a son of a sheep herder. <laughs> That's exactly right. From, uh, Wayne County, Utah. That's right. Well, you know, uh, thanks Dave. And, and we appreciate that. We all do. So let's get this thing rolling. Dave, as I've been thinking about what we're going to talk about this week, there's just been an awful lot on my mind. Uh, some of it's been really inspiring. Some of it's been almost haunting. Uh, some of it's been um, kind of a, a, an awakening, if you will, of some of the feelings and stuff that I really struggled with and had to process early on in what I'm going to call my recovery process. And and it, 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 gang, you're going to hear me refer to that often. Please don't take offense to that. Please don't think that I'm trying to diminish the importance of my path uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ and so forth. I just, it's just that that's where it started basically for me. Uh, it was when I entered the rooms of recovery and started to realize that uh, so much of my life was different than I was currently seeing it as. And that's what I want to talk about uh, as kind of an intro to what the things that we're going to be talking about today. So I remember uh, as a younger person, and if you'll remember back to our podcast last week, I, I mentioned that I might have a higher propensity to the uh, natural man than, uh, than the other. Uh, and I think that in, that's probably no longer true, but I know that it was true and has been true in my past. So you know what, Dave, as I would live my life and I would go through life and I would make mistakes, you know, just simple mistakes that a lot of people would laugh at, you know, that's what teenagers do. That's what boys do. You know, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember the first time I drank beer. I was with a, a group of guys. We were at the Utah State Fair. I was 15 years old. Somebody bought it. Prior to that, I had all this stuff going on inside of me that was so confusing to me. I didn't understand where it was coming from. I didn't understand why I felt the way I felt. But I did know that the moment I drank that beer and sub every time from that point forward that it numbed those feelings of inadequacy. Somehow, there was something about that that made me forget 
all of those things that were kind of stressing me out, kind of making things rough. So as things went along, Dave, and, and I would go to my bishop and I would, or, or to other people, and I, would, and I would try to work through this. You know, yeah, I made some mistakes. I'm going to be better. And I would be result, resolute, 100% resolute when I would leave that conversation, I'm going to be better. Inevitably, time would pass, and we all know why. I mean, and we'll talk about this, but time would pass, and I would find myself right back in a very similar situation. And it would be repeated, and it was repeated really basically ad nauseum for my life until I was 35 years old with a, with a year-and-a-half reprieve during my mission, because it was a year-and-a-half mission back in 1982. But during that reprieve, uh, while I was on my mission, I didn't necessarily struggle with those things. When I came home from my mission, I struggled with them again. And we're going to talk about why uh, and all of that. That's not the, the important part is not necessarily why. The important part at this point is what do I do with that? Because what happened, Dave, is, is I would go through that and I would go back in and I would try and get things fixed. Every time I would do that, I would walk away, even though I was told to feel better, even though I should have been feeling better about myself, I often would walk away from there just feeling like, man, what a louse. What a loser. Yeah, isn't it interesting, Scott, that uh, so much of that uh, is, I believe, uh, the result of our childhood. So much of it. Yeah. Uh, you had experiences in your childhood that I'm sure I'm not even aware of, uh, that nobody may be aware of, that uh, kind of uh, put you in a certain mindset of your worth of uh, who you were as an individual, uh, things that happened to you that maybe you didn't cause or uh, things that were forced upon you or whatever. We all have different experiences and we all interpret whatever experiences we have in our childhood, in our youth, we all interpret them differently. Uh, two people raised in the same home, maybe having the same experiences but they, they can interpret those things totally differently. And uh, I know that really affects, you know, how we see our relationship with our heavenly parents, how it affects our relationship with uh, Jesus Christ, with the gospel, with the church, with priesthood leaders and authority. Uh, all of that is, is uh, affected by our experiences and how we interpret those experiences, how we see them. Yeah, it is affected by that. And the thing is, is as that effect is taking place, it's so gradual and so subtle that we don't realize it and recognize it. And some, and, and when I say we, I really mean me, right? And so one day I wake up and I'm like, I look in the mirror and I think to myself, or maybe I even say out loud, who are you? And how in the heck did you get here, Scott Durfee? Who are you and how did you get here? And so, you know, in, in my head, I know the solution. In my head, I know, hey, just turn to Jesus. In my head, I know, hey, just be doing things that are more right. In my head, I know, just pray more fervently, read the scriptures more deeply. I know all that. But in my heart... I don't know that I believe that it'll work. I don't know that it'll believe it a true. And part of the reason for that, Dave, and I'll just kind of uh, segue into, you know, the topic and the things that we're going to talk about with this. But the thing that really got me, and, and as I attend meetings uh, of recovery, uh, which I was in three of those this week, and listening and loving and, and experiencing, remember I have 23 years of continuous sobriety as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, 
uh, on October 26th uh, this month or this year, it'll be 24 years. And I do keep track of that. And I do participate in that because it's part of my staying close to my Heavenly Father. It's how I do it, right? And so, you know, before all of that, though, um, I thought Heavenly Father was so mad at me, so done with me. I, I mean, I, that's, I, I, and I believed I was taught that, right? I believed that I was taught in the church, you know, you just keep screwing up, you just keep screwing up, you just keep screwing up, but not just in the church, but in society. At some point, when is enough enough, right? And, and, and I think that's a question that often a lot of us ask ourselves. So not sure what to do with all that. I actually am sure what to do with all that today, and I'm, and I'm super excited that we're going to be talking about that. So brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, if there are any of you out there who have any inkling, any kind of relatability to what I just talked about. I try, I try, I try, but no matter how hard I try, I just don't seem to be able to get it. And what that equates to me, Dave, is if I just don't seem to get it, in my mind, that means I can't be therefore acceptable to my Heavenly Father. So what do we do with all this? Well, we're we're so hard on ourselves, Scott, that... But it's, I, I know, really sad to our Heavenly Father how we have interpreted His character, how we don't really understand His, uh, as the brethren call it, His infinite love. Uh, it makes Him, I'm sure, really sad. And I, I've, I've known people in the church, Scott, who have had leadership positions, thinking of one, one sister in particular, who said that, and I, this just about floored me, said she had never felt the love of God in her life. She never felt like she really had a, a heavenly father who loved her. I was shocked by that. And I think there are many members of the church, and some even in leadership positions, who have not really experienced the, the love of God. And I think part of that is because they have maybe grown up not just with self, false self-concepts, of how they see themselves, but even more importantly, they don't understand God. The prophet Joseph Smith taught, if we cannot comprehend God, we cannot comprehend ourselves. So the real, the real beginning, the, the real true start of knowing who you are is knowing God, knowing our relationship with him, and how he sees us. If if someone could just get a glimpse, Scott, of how God sees us, it wouldn't just change how we see ourselves. It would change how we see everyone else in our life. And everything else, including the challenges we face, including everything, and uh, how we see him. Right, I mean, and how we see him. So, Dave, you, 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 and, and I'll go back to our first podcast from last week. You know, one of the things that we talked about in that is we addressed Easter and how important it is. But one of the things that we addressed there was, what is life eternal? You know, life eternal, according to John, is to know him and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. Right? Yeah. So, uh, knowing him is the key to yeah. everything else in our in our eternal lives, not just in this mortal life. Yeah, everything about everything. And so, you know, last week we talked about what does that mean to know him? And, and, and you know, hopefully you've spent some time thinking about that. I know I spent more time, I spend a lot of time thinking about how do I know him better, because this is something that's been on my mind for many years. And I talked about knowing my grandpa, and how did I know my grandpa? I got to know my grandpa because I spent time with him. I spent time with him, 
And I spent time with him, not just on Sunday evenings when the whole family would go there, and not just on Mondays once a month when we held huge family home evenings, not just those times, but I spent time with him, time one-on-one, time alone, time in council, especially time in council. During a really difficult time in my life, I spent a lot of time in council with your dad, my grandfather, and I got to know him on at levels mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have got to know him otherwise if I wouldn't have taken those things to him. And some some of his, you know, he had forty grandchildren. You right. were you were one of forty, and I think some of his grandchildren never really got that blessing or uh, gift glimpse of who he really was. Sometimes I know he could seem kind of harsh. You know, he was quite a disciplinarian, sometimes authoritative in his approach, uh, strong in his uh, uh, voice and in his dogma. But uh, if you really got to know him, my, my dad, and I, and I got to know him like that as well, Scott, my dad was, had one of the most tender hearts of anyone I've ever known. Yeah. But, my, but a lot of his maybe own children and grandchildren didn't see that in him. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the anecdote for that is, again, to spend time. Now, we don't have that time to spend with Hawes Durfee today. We don't, because he's not here with us in this, in, you know, in this existence. But we do have the ability to spend time with the Father in heaven. And, and, you know, and as great as my grandpa Durfee was, and my grandpa Fagan the same way. Man, I got to know him so well, breaking horses together and just doing all kinds of awesome things with my grandpa Fagan. As I got to know these two men, that 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 investment of time that they took, yeah. <laughs> you know, was just as important yeah. as the investment of time that I took. And so, you know, if relationships like that are going to have that kind of benefit later in our lives, and we akin or we liken those, we make them analogous to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, then we see then what is it that we need to do. Well, just real quickly, I didn't, I didn't know my grandfathers very well. I was the youngest in my family, and my grandfather, Durfee, was dead before I was even born, and my grandfather, Taylor, was blind and crippled when I was a child, and that's kind of how I remember him. Um, so I wanted to just throw this in, Scott. I, your dad... And my older brothers, who were 13, you know, 15 years older than me, um, they were kind of my heroes who I got to know and spend time with. And your, your dad was such a positive influence in my life. And uh, my brother, my other brother, Dennis, and uh, I, I was blessed to have them. So base, basically, and they were so, always so protective of me and building me up. And so many times in our life, uh, how we see God and eternal divine relationships is based upon our mortal relationships, which can which can sometimes be a real blessing or sometimes it can be a real problem. Right. Yeah. So well, let's, let's, if you're ready... Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's jump let's... into the pre-mortal existence and uh, really begin to talk about ourselves as as sons and daughters of God, literal offsprings, as Paul put it in Acts chapter 17, literal offsprings of God and of heavenly parents. And uh, so I'd like to talk about that, share some experiences uh, uh, about that. But in knowing uh, who we are, 
we also have to know whose we are, and who we are is sons and daughters of God. Whose we are is that we also become children of Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through covenant relationships. So whose we are? Jesus Christ. And also we need to understand that we are covenant sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah, that we have this covenant relationship, this Abrahamic covenant is so important in my identity and should be important in the identity of, of others that uh, those, those three ideas we'll, we'll try to, in the next podcast or two, really go into some depth on. Yeah. But awesome. let's start with pre-mortal existence. Pre-mortal Scott. existence. So, gang, what we're going to do here is we start talking about uh, where we came from, why we're here, where we're going, right? The existential questions that we ask ourselves throughout our life, and everybody does. I don't want us to, you know, because that's how these are, and it almost becomes cliche. I hope that we'll take the time and remember that this is us spending time with him. This is us getting to know him. Why is that important? For the same reason that it was important for me to know my grandpa when I really needed some advice, when I really needed some spiritual direction. Uh, Because I knew him, because the relationship was there, it was really easy. When things were down and out, when it and, and there were times when I went there at midnight, sometimes later, knock on the door, and he'd come answer the door, because I knew him and I was comfortable doing that. And 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 our desire here today is to help propagate a a relationship with our heavenly Father, where we feel that same sort of familiarity, where we same feel that same sort of trust, where we feel His love coming across eons of time, across the expanse of the universe, across everything and anything, and feel his love. It's important for us to know who we are, whose we are, where we came from, and why all of this is orchestrated. So yeah, I'm ready. Let's dive in. Okay. Well, thank you. So in the pre-mortal existence, we know that we participated in a grand council of heaven. We know that as uh, sons and daughters of God, that there was a plan presented to us. And that this was called the plan of redemption. And uh, there was some discussion. It was a council, right? And there was some discussion about it. Uh, I'm sure that the Father laid out the, uh, the plan. It was a perfect plan. At least most of us saw it as a perfect plan. And uh, that there would have to be a Savior because we were going to come to a fallen, uh, sinful, hellish world and go through an experience that would uh, prove us, is the term in, in Abraham, that it would prove us. So um, anyway, it, it raised some, um, some concern. Uh, some people uh, thought that was a, a high risk that they weren't willing to take. And uh, so Satan probably sensing this, and uh, being uh, a son of the morning, not we should never call Satan the son of the morning, a son of the morning, a person who was in some authority there, uh, he, he started to uh, see this as an opportunity uh, because of his pride to take some control and, and charge and had some jealousy uh, come up because I think that he could see that Jesus was going to be chosen as the Savior, as our Savior and Redeemer. And uh, so he 
proposed a, a counter. Uh, I don't. I don't even want to give him the credit of calling it a plan. I, I just think it was an absolute rebellion, and uh, he came up with this idea, which which I don't know if he knew that this wasn't even possible or not, but he 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 convinced everybody else that it was possible, that uh, that he would save us unconditionally, without regard to our choices, without regard to how we live our lives, that he would save us, and that he would be our Redeemer and Savior, and that he would get all the credit for it. I think it was actually in his mind uh, uh, he wanted to overthrow God. He wanted to create chaos. I don't, I don't, we don't know more detail than that. But what we do know, Scott, is that a war in heaven broke out. I don't know how long the war lasted. I don't know. It was, it was probably just a war of ideology and words. But I don't. Even, we don't have a lot of details about what did this war really consist of. But there was a war in heaven, and there were people who were who had at least at that point, had uh, had not developed spiritually like they should have, who couldn't understand God's plan, who weren't willing to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Redeemer in the pre-mortal existence, who, who for whatever reason, didn't trust even themselves in their ability to, uh, to maybe live the gospel, to make covenants, to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Redeemer. And so they jump on Satan's, you know, rebellious bandwagon, and uh, and they lose their whole opportunity to participate at all in the plan of redemption by becoming sons of perdition. So th- this war in heaven has often, often in the church been taught as uh, one of force or forced obedience, coercion, and sometimes those words have been used when, when this doctrine of the war in heaven has been taught, Scott. But I, I just want to, if I can, read something yeah, from the Bible yeah, dictionary. Yeah, I think you should. So, But b- before you do that, you know, as we talk about, Dave, this uh, this war in heaven or this heavenly conflict, this conflict there, you know, and we know that uh, there were a group that followed the uh, enemy at the uh, proposal of everybody's going to be saved. And that was that was really what it was, right? It was just, right. He was just saying, uh, and so Christ was saying, "I will go down, and I will make up. Uh, I will, I will, through my blood, redeem them, so that they can return, because the uh, laws of uh, that the law has to be satisfied." Right. And, we and, understood the laws of the laws of justice. Okay. We understood that there. That was all taught there. Uh, it was all taught that this this experience in mortality would help us in our progression, in our growth, in our becoming like our Heavenly Father, to have experiences that He must have experienced in His eternal existence at some point and some time. Right. And we understood that this was... This was the only plan of redemption. There were no yeah, other no, plans. No plan A, no one plan pl- B. No, yeah. one plan, the right. Father's plan, and Jesus Christ is all in in carrying it out for us, for him. Okay. Satan saw this as an opportunity to maybe... Uh, usurp. Usurp and maybe even overthrow. Yeah, yeah. 
the, okay. whole, the whole process. Okay. So from the Bible Dictionary. So from the Bible Dictionary, it's written. Uh, this is under War in Heaven in the Bible Dictionary. The war was primarily over how and in what manner the plan of salvation or redemption would be administered in the forthcoming human family upon the earth. The issues involve such things as agency, how to gain salvation, and who should be the Redeemer. The war broke out because one-third of the spirits refused to accept the appointment of Jesus Christ as the Savior. Such a refusal was a rebellion against the Father's plan of redemption. It was evident that if given agency, some persons would fall short of complete salvation. Lucifer and his followers wanted salvation, get this, to come automatically to all who pass through mortality without regard to individual preference, agency, or voluntary dedication. So what he's saying is a free lunch, uh, go down there and party, go down there and do anything you please, anything goes, and I'll save you, and I'll get all the credit. Well, you know, I can see that if there's some spirits there who haven't maybe progressed as they should, that they're a little weak, they, they have doubts in their abilities to keep commandments, to make and keep covenants, all of a sudden they say, wow, that sounds really good to me. Yeah. So that's, that's what the war was over, was how should the plan of redemption be carried out? So, you know, you say that there, there may have been those that think, I don't have the ability to keep the commandments, and so I'm going to buy this one. But there might have been people, I know there were, there were those of us on the other side, too, that were subscribing to the plan of the Savior, who knew there's no way I can keep those commandments. There's just no yeah. way I can keep those commandments, but I'm going to vote, I'm going to be, I'm going to choose this side anyway. And, and that's the whole purpose behind what we're talking about. The whole thing behind that is, is yeah, for sure you're going to go down. For sure you're going to make mistakes. For sure. All of that. But the law, the, 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 uh, the, the law has to be satisfied. And, it, and so it for, in order for that to happen, then the Savior came down. And we knew that, too. Uh, and so, you know, quite a battle, quite a conflict taking place there. But we can begin to see who, uh, just get a little bit of a, a, a more of a glimpse into who we really are so, when we understand these things. So, Scott, anybody who has a body, yeah, they chose him once. They chose Jesus Christ. They chose the Father's plan of redemption. Right. They w- desired to come down here, have this experience, and depend upon a Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, Jehovah, and return back to their heavenly home. Anybody that has a body chose that plan. Everything that we learned about the plan of redemption, everything we learned there is still with us here. So if our body is, or excuse me, if our spirit is clothed with a body, and I don't mean to make light of things, but if our spirit is clothed with a body, it's like coming out of the voting booth with a button on our lapel that's saying, I voted. And so our body is an indication that we voted. Absolutely. That we chose him. So the question now is, we chose him once, will we choose him 
again. Our body has kind of become a veil for us. We can't remember everything. We can't recall everything. But you know, Scott, from time to time, I've I've received a glimpse. Yeah. Uh, maybe this would be appropriate time to share the story of... Uh, I, I gave a patriarchal blessing once to a sister, 32 years old, who uh, hadn't been to church in 16 years, who had had a couple of children out of wedlock, who had never been married. And uh, as a single mom... Uh, her oldest child was now eight years old, and she wanted her to go to church. This young woman had been brought up in the church, but had not been to church since she since she was a teenager, and she wanted her her daughter to be a member. And she went back to a sacrament meeting, and the bishop uh, saw her and uh, came down and met her after a sweet bishop and uh, called her into his office, and they talked about the baptism of her eight year old daughter, and then. She said, she told me that the bishop said he felt impressed to ask her, do you have a patriarchal blessing? And she said, no. And he said, well, I I feel that you should get one. And he interviewed her and gave her a a recommend. She was worthy enough to have a blessing at the time. And she called me that day and she scheduled an appointment. And a few weeks later, when she came to my home, you know, as I opened the door, she was alone and... uh, I saw this beautiful young woman covered with tattoos and piercings, and she came into my home, and we went into the office, and we talked about her life, something about her life, and we talked about patriarchal blessings and what they are and how they work, and I felt it's strong, strongly impressed that it was the right time for this a young woman to receive a blessing, and uh, we had. I asked her to say a little prayer, and she said such a humble, sweet, uh, short prayer. And uh, I went around and s- stood behind the chair where she was sitting, and I laid my hands on her head. And this didn't happen very often, Scott. I've I've given over three hundred patriarchal blessings, and this only happened a few times. But I was I was just overcome with the spirit and um i i got a glimpse i i in my mind's eye i could see her as a young child girl in the pre-mortal existence i could see her in her white dress i could see her playing and running in the pre-mortal existence yeah can I pause you for just yeah. a second? So as we're listening to this, and I'm going to invite all of our listeners to do the same thing, you know, I think about myself and uh, what do those, the way we're dressed, and, you know, in this case, and there's, there, we're, we're making no commentary on, uh, on the way she was dressed other than that sometimes that that's an outward expression of who we can be inside sometimes. But, you know, as we come to these types of situations, how often have we let our, um, as it were, tattoos, you know, even just metaphorically speaking, or our piercings, or the smell of uh, our clothes, uh, you know, due to chemical or what have you, or or, or our hair, you know, uh, different colors or dreadlocks or, or whatever. How many of us have from time to time, and so as I'm seeing this young lady 
take these big strides to come and to go meet with her bishop and then to come and meet with the patriarch in her stake and to have this experience to set her up. She's beginning already to have faith in who she is. Otherwise, she wouldn't be standing on your porch knocking on the door. At least the desire to know. At least the desire. To know who she is and uh, follow a bishop's impression. Yeah. And so as we start to feel who we you know, start feeling inadequacies because of things in our life, whether they look on the outside or on the inside, uh, this, 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 the inspiration that we can gain from her and others like her, and as you hear this story play out, uh, my gosh, what a, what a great example of, uh, of what it is to just turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand Him. So go ahead, continue. Well, the sweetest part of this uh, experience for me, Scott, was um, as I as I could see her playing in this white dress and somewhat a little bit mischievous. I got a glimpse of her heavenly parents. I I could see them at, at a profile of them, and they were smiling at her. There was unbelievable delight on their faces as they watched her. And I was so overcome by that, and um, I tried. I, I, words can't describe what I what I saw and what I felt. And but I'm I'm doing the best I can in her blessing to describe this. And I keep using the word delight. How they delighted in her as their child. And then at one point, uh, this was so unique. And when this impression came into my mind. I didn't even know if I could speak it because it was so different. And, and um, I sat there and kind of argued with myself doctrinally about this, but I knew I had to say it. And I said to her, your Heavenly Father wants you to know that you are one of his favorites. And he wants you to know that he's never been mad at you. <laughs> that she, she, her head just fell into her lap, and she started to sob. And uh, in those few moments, Scott, uh, being filled with the Spirit and the, the love of God, I, I just, I was just in silence, thinking, "Wow." The love of God, how He loves His children. Yeah, and I know that she, she felt that as well. Yeah, wow, wow. You know what? A, the, the, how many of us long for that, right? How many of us long for that confirmation? I started out this podcast today by talking about, you know, my past and how sometimes it was so difficult, so difficult, to go because I just knew that he was mad. I just knew he was, you know, erroneously, you know, of course he wasn't mad. You know, we know that. And it's easy for us to understand that intellectually, especially as we read the scriptures and listen to the, you know, words of our modern day prophets, etc. Well, sometimes Scott, it does talk about his anger. You know, it sometimes talks about his wrath, his, his divine anger and wrath. And, uh, you know, that's, that can be a real problem for some people when they read the scriptures. But, uh, you know, as I have studied the scriptures over the years, it seems like to me that when mostly, most of the time when that's expressed, it's expressed towards a 
large group of people who are so wicked that he can't send spirit sons and daughters down to them, and those those precious children of his have an opportunity to really live the gospel. Right. That's that's when he, I think, expresses mostly his his uh, wrath and his anger is when a whole generation have become so wicked that he can't uh, fulfill the plan of redemption as he would like to. Well, so there's that. And then there's the other thing that we sort of alluded to earlier, too. You know, we come to earth and we have these uh, familial uh, relationships, which is nothing more than what it will be like there as well. And so, you know, we've, we've been sent here to learn through that experience, too, how to be there then. And, you know, we're raised and we raise, as a dad, I'm an imperfect dad. And I make a lot of mistakes the way I, I handle my kids. I've made a lot of mistakes around certain things, around correction, around uh, whatever, you name it. I've made that mistake. I guarantee yeah, you, have. I've made well, that mistake. I, we all have. And so, you know, you teach me, he's my father, you know, and so I teach my kids, I'm your father. And so my kids... I mean, and, and all of us, to one degree or another, tend to, at some point, take that relationship that we have here on Earth, and if that's supposed to be representative of what it will be like later, right. then we tend to take that more literal than we probably should. Right. And when We do. And when I get mad at my kids for stupid little stuff, and they're afraid that I'm going to get mad at them for stupid little stuff, they have reason to feel <laughs> fear. I, I have a really close friend who was born and raised in Japan, Yeah. and his father was Shinto. This good friend of mine is um, is a convert to the church, and uh, we became really close, good golf, good golfing buddies. He loves golf like I love golf, and um, he would someday, some days, just call me. You know, the Shinto are very harsh, <laughs> very much disciplinarians and uh, hard. Yeah, and uh, he would oftentimes call me in tears and say, "David, tell me again." Please tell me again about about Heavenly Father and God's love for His children, because He was being harsh on Himself, yeah. because that's how He was raised, and He had to continually fight being that kind of a, a father as well as He raised His children. Scott, maybe before we end, and we probably need to end that, wind this up soon. Can we just what can I, let me ask you this question so you can help help me make application here yeah going back to the war in heaven how is that war continuing to play out on the earth today what can we learn uh, from the war in heaven and the idea that uh, saint proposed that anything goes how do we see that war uh, continuing here on earth well uh, you don't have to look very far you can turn on your TV, you can turn on your radio, you can pick up a newspaper, you can go to the mall, you can, whatever. Any experiences, many experiences that we're going through or that we're having in our culture, in our society, in this time of our lives uh, are very much, Dave, like the, the proposals that were being put to us there. Right yeah. I, I, on the on the adversarial side, uh, it, meaning that you know what it doesn't matter if you make a mistake, it's okay. It doesn't matter if you don't uh, pay that back, it's okay. You know, and all roads lead to heaven. There you have it. You know, we're all going to be saved. Yep. We're all going to be redeemed. 
And Satan's in the back of his mind thinking, and I'm going to get all the credit. Yeah. And I'm going to do all the damage. Yeah. And I'm going to create chaos. And, uh, you know, I just think, I just think especially, it seems like it's increasing in our world, this idea that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you do, that you live your own truth, and you'll be saved. And this is analysis by Scott Durfee only. But I believe that at the heart of all of that, at the heart of all of that, is a misconception of who we are or the lack of any conception, especially a true conception of who we are. Well, amen. And second is a misunderstanding or not understanding the plan of redemption. Yeah. Yeah, and probably paramount to all of that now that we've said number one and number two, we'll make this one paramount, is our relationship with him, knowing him. If we know him, all of the rest of this falls into place. We, it, it, we said this last week. Yep. We should say it probably every every session. I'll bet we do. It all comes down to relationships. Yep, sure does. Sure does. Well... Here we are. It's been a fast 45 minutes. We're going to try and keep these at 45 minutes if we possibly can. Uh, thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen, here today. Uh, hopefully there's been a couple of things that you've been able to take away and maybe apply. This is going to be continued. Uh, next week we'll roll out to the second part of this discussion. And you know what? I think that we may be doing that as we uh, roll through this process. There may be uh, just more occasions than not when a topic or a subject not only lends into or bleeds into the next one, but uh, gets spread out over a couple of uh, uh, sessions. So great session today, Dave. Any final thoughts? No, we... thank you, Scott. So good, so good to be with you, and just hope that all of us, uh, well, I, I guess I can speak for myself, that I live according to the understanding that, that I have, and that I can increase my understanding. You know, none of us have a perfect knowledge or a perfect understanding, but I, I do know and have been grateful for the glimpse that I've received that we really are sons, literally, sons and daughters of heavenly parents, and that they love us fiercely, yeah, infinitely, yeah. perfectly, yeah. love us, and um, that everything that we do here it matters. Yeah, it does. Not just to our progression, but it matters to them. Yeah, and it matters to them that what we do here, uh, that we have peace, that we have happiness, that we have joy. Man was created to have joy. We know that from the scriptures. Um, you know, just in conclusion, I just want to invite all of us to take something that we've learned today, a, a an impression that you've felt either witness to you from the Spirit or from your own mind, just a, a something I need to be better at or do better at, um, and make that a part of your growth this week as we uh, move throughout this week and uh, strive harder to know Him better and to be more like Him and to love Him deeper. Scott Durfee and Dave Durfee, it's good to be with you. Thanks, Thanks so much. Bye-bye.